1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Let's get to headlines. Pain and Pendergast
0: with today's headlines. Brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. Let's get
2: this out of the way, too, because it'll be good for Ben's blood pressure. You're listening to KILT and KILT. Yep. HD two an Odyssey station.
3: You can give that disclaimer because we're eleven minutes late to headlines. So yeah,
2: but it was a fun uh, mock draft.
3: I think I don't think anybody even none of our audience actually knows or thinks that our headlines are supposed to start at seven forty five. No, I don't think so. so I mean, we don't. No, it's there's not no like we, reason they would.
2: We don't yeah. have liners running like tune in at seven forty
3: five for
2: headlines
3: with pain. Maybe Payter's. we should. So we can get scolded every
2: day when we go when we go into our post show (laughs) meeting about You
3: can't put an interesting top you try to do a mock draft analysis at seven forty and figure well hey, we'll spend four and a half minutes on this mock draft analysis. We got two first round picks, Sean.
2: Two and part of it is we're always late getting out of the previous Sorry, <laughs> segment God, as we well suck. and i should and what i hell? say do we want to get scolded let me just be very clear if our boss is listening on his way in he couldn't be easier to work with i feel like there's a lot of times i go in there expecting to get scolded about things like clock management and and He's always very good about community he's a good communicator our boss he's been
3: like I was my first year with my first and only year with Gary Kubiak, where I kind of was like eh, what's this guy up to? Why is he not yelling at yeah, me yeah yeah, what the hell's up with this why is he why is he telling me I can take a practice off? Sounds like a trap to mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. I actually did, that's actually true Sean that's literally true i was uh, I was in competition for a spot I was, it was actually kind of a dicey scenario for a ten year vet coming off a bunch of injuries and uh and, and, and Kubiak's rule was if you're 30 or older, you don't pre- you don't do two a days. And I was like, oh no, you're not getting me with that. Nope, I'm I'm doing every damn practice. So did you practice? Yeah, uh, yeah, dude. like an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like an idiot. That's like a damn moron. Oh, that's funny. That is. I funny. didn't trust him.
2: Yeah. No, I was that's... a
3: shelter dog. <laughs> i not seen nothing but abuse. All, that was in, in your ten days.
2: It well, I yeah. say, and I was going to say, that's in year ten, as if somehow. You, along the way in the NFL, you would grow to trust people through 10 years. If anything, the mistrust. <laughs> well, wow, that was after you You had 10 yeah. years to learn how amazing everybody is in the NFL. After 10 years, I realized it's just one big family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure it is. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll tell you who does seem like one big happy family, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs had their Super Bowl uh, parade yesterday. Um, and it looked like a whole lot of fun. Sure, does look like something I would love to do here. We've had a chance to do it here with our baseball team, so we know from very recent experience what it's like. Here's the thing: the Astros weren't doing at their parade that the Chiefs will not stop doing at theirs, which is saying how nobody believed in them. Mm. Nobody believed in them. The Astros get they, they the Astros do take umbrage with. The sign stealing and the punishment and the fact that they've been able to overcome that. At no point along the way, though, did the Astros say, nobody believes. I don't think. If you can go find it, send it to me. To the point where like Mahomes and Kelsey are literally saying people are, like everybody's saying they're going to miss the playoffs this year. Here was, here was Patrick Mahomes yesterday at the parade using the R-word. Before we started this season, the AFC West said we were
0: rebuilding. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what rebuilding means. And we're rebuilding you. We're world champs. We're world champs.
2: All right, so that was fun. Um, but uh, dude, people were I not. Kinda,
3: can I can I say something, Sean? Sure. I kind I kind of like the that new ballsy Mahomes though. Oh, I do too. Was, uh, I, I kind of like when he got... He, there's a little more Ed Orgeron in him there than Kermit the Frog. Oh, I, the I, voice is down that. a couple octaves. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, he'd had a couple. Of, he'd had a couple of pops in him on the way. He did uh, to the to the stage and everything. Had so. some
2: goggles on his head. No, I. Yeah. But I, I love how the AFC West said we were rebuilding. Like, yeah, you know who's, what he said. Yeah, play it one more time. It's short, Ben. <laughs> play it one more time. Yes. yes. Before we
4: start this season?
2: The AFC West said we were rebuilding. Yeah, you know who's got really. You know who's got really bad takes? Colin Cowherd. Yeah. Uh, Skip Bayless and the yeah. AFC West.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, because I'd seen so many pictures of him drinking, which I don't know is a big deal or not, whatever. Um, I thought that he was just kind of slurring and said, they, I, I wasn't paying close attention. I thought he said something like, ah, they said we were rebuilding. Cause I never would have thought he would have said something as stupid as the, AFC, the West AFC West said we were rebuilding. I mean, talk about a straw man, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, nobody thought we could win the division, but we proved them wrong. Yeah. And then we also won a Super Bowl. But mostly I want to talk about the division. The AFC
2: West <laughs> said we were rebuilding. Here was Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey just goes next level on it here. The
5: haters were saying that the Chiefs would never make the playoffs. (laughs) saying
6: this? The haters were saying the Chiefs
5: were done.
2: (laughs) You had Patrick Mahomes on your team. Who was saying you... Travis Kelsey's the worst with this. Like, somehow, somehow making up the fact that, or maybe in his mind, he feels like it actually happened where there was just this wave of people who were saying, Chiefs dynasty is over. It's not like yeah. they traded Mahomes, they traded Tyreek Hill. Like, the funniest thing about that cut was you heard Kelsey a couple times go like that.
4: The raspberry.
2: Yeah, Mahomes, but it's a fart noise. Mahomes was bent over laughing. Like, I feel like Mahomes oh, is somebody really? who definitely laughs, laughs at farts. Like, he thinks <laughs> farts are the funniest thing in the world. Yeah,
3: Mahomes and Kelsey are just really good buds, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Kelsey got uh, – Mahomes actually missed a meeting once when he was a young player because he was out with Kelsey too late. Oh, uh, yeah? He told that story on their podcast, yeah. Which it's got to be – like, that's a funny story, but Andy Reid's got to be kind of like – Oh, boy. <laughs> just keep, stay with your annoying wife and brother there, uh, buddy, as much as you can. Please don't hang out with Travis Kelsey all offseason. Please don't. Just keep
2: throwing him 130 balls a year. Just th- let that be your relationship.
3: Um, okay, so fact-checking. Yeah. Nobody thought we'd make the playoffs. ESPN had the Chiefs as their number four uh, in the power rankings back in August. So that's generally fourth best in the league is generally good enough to make the playoffs. Um, now, with, should <laughs> yeah. they be insulted that the uh, like the Bills are number one? That that's like that made sense in a lot of ways. Um, the Bucks and the Rams were both picked ahead of the Chiefs. Sean.
2: Sh- uh, wow. Reason okay. for
3: insult? Reason for insult? Uh,
2: no, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, no. was that was that an outlier opinion? I would say the Bucks and the Rams. No, I would say the Bucks and the Rams were two of the biggest disappointments of the season.
3: Yeah. That's all. I'll tell you what. Honestly, if there were a team that Okay. Okay. If these guys want to shut down the um uh <laughs> the, the the Eagles were fifteenth in the power rankings. If the Eagles on August twenty third, two thousand twenty two, the Eagles in the ESPN power rankings were fifteenth. Um I feel like the Eagles, if they'd gotten up and said all this stuff, they'd obviously have a good reason for it. The Chiefs the Chiefs were very much yesterday playing the card of like well, you guys, we used to be the everybody's sweetheart, but now, now we're just like maybe your second or third favorite gal, and we're gonna get angry about it. You, you frankly, you sound like a jealous lady, Kansas City Chiefs.
2: What's the okay? What's the highest prognostication going into the season that the Chiefs could have had? As a consensus, let's say, because the consensus, as you pointed, out, I think that ESPN power ranking is indicative of how people still felt about the Chiefs. I think most people yeah. still felt they were really good. I picked them to win the division. I didn't think losing Tyreek Hill was going to cause them to lose the division.
3: What's well, the- that which, by the way, in that okay, yeah, go Re- ahead. In real that quick pow- in that power ranking, they won the division. Yeah, so so, yeah. so uh,
2: to me, the highest prognostication where they could feel disrespected would be if you had something like Denver winning the division. Like if everybody had Denver because they got Russell Wilson leapfrogging the Chiefs after the Broncos haven't been able to get to the playoffs in six years, then I think that is an appropriate level of disrespect to act disrespected at the parade. But the fact of the matter is everybody still thought you guys were going to be awesome. Nobody thought you were rebuilding or missing the playoffs. You have Patrick Mahomes on your team.
3: I, NFL.com had them ranked seventh going into the season. Who was ahead
2: of them? Who was ahead of them?
3: Uh, ahead of them. Yeah. Number six, the Green Bay Packers. Okay. The Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Okay. Number four, the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. Number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams. And number one, the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Um, yeah. But now that's where I, I feel like, okay, if you're looking at, I've you know what? I allow it. I'm going to allow it. I'm not going to allow the nobody believed in us or nobody thought we could do it. That's just And don't allow talk.
2: you thought we were going to miss the playoffs. Nobody yeah, thought no, they were miss the playoffs. That. No, yeah.
3: don't allow that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's rejected. Yeah. I don't allow anything Travis Kelsey ever says. As far as Pat Mahomes... I'll allow a lot of that, mostly because he said it in a deeper, gravelly voice. His <laughs> uh, his testicles dropped okay. three centimeters that day. Okay. Yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's been a great Super Bowl for Patrick. Mahomes. Like a, his testicles his, finally dropped.
3: He's like a. It's like a, It's like the Grinch, just with different body parts. Right. Right. Yeah. He
2: yeah, grew three times the size that that one day. Both of them did. Yeah. Um, I I would say you know what? As you read those power rankings, I to me, I think the thing that bothers chiefs fans the most and i would add nick Wright to this group our former colleague who i was so happy for nick yesterday they did their show first things first from the parade i feel like they did that i feel like they personally did that for him like they they did it live at the parade in kansas city i think the thing that kansas city people take the greatest umbrage with is the bills being so consensus stacked ahead of them yeah Coming into the season, now the Bills did beat Kansas City in in week six in the regular season, and they beat them in yeah. the regular season last year, but the Bills, or the, the Chiefs won that epic playoff game last year against the Bills, yeah. and it did seem like the Bills came into this season probably with more juice than they deserved by the this odds is,
3: makers. That, I mean, this is where, this is where I think, I don't even think Andy Reid had anything to do with it, I think it was maybe more the the, the players on the Chiefs. What they did a really good job of, because it's like it's all like in all seriousness, convincing yourself you're the underdog is always a great tactic. Yes. Always a great motivational tactic. Yep. Um The way they took the Joe Burrow stuff. Like honestly, this might have been a year in which bulletin board material by fans actually mattered. And because the Burrowhead Stadium stuff, I think started with fans, but then a couple of Bengals players latched onto it. And this 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 uh, feeling that somehow you know Joe Burrow has Pat Mahomes number in Kansas City, all of that. I think they latched onto that. Yeah. Um, the other thought, the other one I was thinking of was the, um, oh, it was when uh, Trevor Lawrence said that he didn't think the noise would be that big bad in Arrowhead. Yeah, they didn't it, like so, that. So I feel like the the fans took that on, yeah. and then like the fans and the team felt like they were aligned to them against the world. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and pass this because all of it's still way more. It's way less annoying when it's coming from an Andy Reid squad than a Bill Belichick squad. That's
2: fair. I think that's fair. I'll add this one. You, you brought this to my attention before the show. Brittany Mahomes, Patrick's wife, tweeted uh, yeah. yesterday, I think a lot of people need to apologize for what they said about this team at the beginning of the season with a laughing crying emoji. No, that,
3: that's not happening, Brittany. I'm no, sorry. no. Sorry, Brittany.
2: No, if you're if, as Tyrion once said when he was sitting in a jail cell on Game of Thrones, he said, "If yeah. you're looking for justice, you've come to the wrong place."
3: Yeah, yeah. Do you like when? It, when? It, when are you supposed to apologize for being wrong? Unless it was something like, "Oh, I," you know. Uh, I, I cut off the wrong foot in your foot amputation like' it's not a, it's a, that's a factual thing you apologize for being wrong you don't apologize for being wrong about opinions unless they're real world results like nobody nobody Doubting Patrick Mahomes resulted in Patrick Mahomes uh, not having a chance as a football player. Even then, you got to be yeah. careful
2: about apologizing for mistakenly amputating a foot because your lawyer would say, "Don't admit to anything." That's true. Let's let That's it play true. out.
3: That's a very good point. <laughs> That's a very because I, you know what. Yeah, I was thinking about, like, what if I was on a college admissions board and I didn't accept this student that ended up being uh, a Nobel Prize winner or something? I feel like there's an avenue to a lawsuit there somewhere if I apologize for not, uh, for not accepting you. got to be careful. At, at Seth Payne University. People are yeah. litigious
2: these days. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. So, sorry, Brittany. Oh, I did it. Damn it. Damn it. I was <laughs> apologizing for not apologizing. Like that audio. Oh. Uh, Zero two. What do the kids call that these days? When you're oh, you're a simp. I'm a total simp for Britney. I'm simping for Britney. <laughs> zero. I'm sorry, Britney. I'll apologize for anything you want. Just mm-hmm. tell me. Please mm-hmm. tell me what I did wrong. And don't I'll, sue me. I'll, I'll make amends.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I amputated your foot.
3: 0211
2: <laughs> two on the trailer wheel and frame text page. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nobody thought we could hire D'Amico Ryan's. <laughs> that is that is, <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, nobody thought it was going to happen. Weesh. I still see Sean. Sean. Yeah, I, I like this kid. So like, it, you know, Pro Football Focus has a bunch of young kids that kind of do different. Like, they're, they're just little nerdy guys. I'm not going to call the guy's name out or anything, but they did a long podcast on the uh, the Texans, which had some good information. Um, I'm not talking about uh, Steve Palazzolo I actually know Steve. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a nerdy little guy. Um, but he said something to the effect of. Like I'm still kind of surprised that D'Amico didn't have more options. I thought that you know, like I'm surprised that he had to take the Texans job. I'm like, how is this? How are, like I don't understand how people can have that opinion. Like and be so. I understand not knowing everything that goes on with every team, but like the the simple fact that D'Amico went to the Texans. People ask, okay, why exactly to go to the Texans? It's pretty easy to find out. Like, It's not like it's a deep dive research or anything, or to know that he had multiple options, and yet Keyshawn Johnson, these various other people, act like somehow D'Amico didn't have any other options. No, he was probably the most coveted actual candidate by teams this year. It just he didn't end up taking more interviews because he flat out said he wanted to be in Houston.
2: He He could have had any of these five jobs. I truly believe that he could have had any any of the five jobs. If you go through them, he got the Texans job reports are he, that Denver wanted him. Um, the other three, he was all, he was asked to interview for all the other three and he didn't because the, things went so well, with the Texans that he wound up getting the job. But I think if you look at – like in Arizona, you ask him, who would you rather have, D'Amico Ryans or Jonathan Gannon? D'Amico Ryans. Who would you rather have in Indianapolis? Are you telling – now, maybe they would have wanted an offensive coach, so Steichen might have been their guy, but I think they would have liked nothing better, the Colts, than to have hired D'Amico Ryans out from underneath the Houston Texans. And yeah. then Carolina, I think Carolina – you know, Frank Reich is a it's, – it's a nice story for them. He used to play for them, and he's solid enough and whatever. D'Amico Ryan's is a more. I think he 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 had more stars next to his name this time around.
3: D'Amico Ryan's is a. How do I want to phrase this? I was going to say sober, but that's not accurate because I'm not. I'm not trying to say Rex Ryan is a drunk or anything, but he, sometimes he kind of acts like he's drunk. Um, but they like he's like he's a more reserved version of Rex Ryan in that Rex Ryan. Boy, this is going to be hard to say these two names without messing up the S's. Um, Rex Ryan and D'Amico Ryans um, are similar in some fashion in which they're defensive coordinators whose players absolutely loved them. Just absolutely loved them. The difference with Rex was when he got to be a head coach, he didn't know how to let go of that part that made the players love him. There's a certain, you got to take that step. You know, it's like when you... When you get elevated to being an officer, all of a sudden there's decisions you have to make where it's your buddies don't come first. It's it's everything else, and there, it's a little bit like that when you go from a coordinator to a head coaching job. I think that's where people could sense that in D'Amico, and I think when you when you hear the quotes from the players and other people about D'Amico, that's what sets him apart from everybody else, and that's what you know. Frankly, is that's why it's hard for some people to see why you can let go of your attachment to an offensive coordinator because they're, they're almost reluctant to believe that there are actually still NFL coaches who are good at motivating or actually good at like forming a connection with their players because it so rarely actually happens. What do you
2: make of the – as long as you bring up Rex Ryan, what do you make of the Ian Rapoport report yesterday? Rapaport tweeted this, that Ryan – Rex Ryan has emerged as a top candidate for the Broncos defensive coordinator job per Ian Rapoport and Mike Garofolo. Ryan has been – God, you're right, Seth. I'm about to say Ryan's on all of these. Ryan has been on ESPN after being fired by the Bills in 2016. If all goes well, he could be headed back to the NFL. What are your thoughts on that?
3: He hasn't been a full-time defensive coordinator since 2008, Mm -hmm. which surprised me. I had forgotten that – because he was – that was when he was assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. Then he was with the Jets from 2009 to 14, And then the Bills, of course, his brother (laughs) – boy – Imagine if you're a Bills fan you're all psyched about Rex Ryan coming in. Remember their their ticket sales spiked? Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden he decides to bring um, Rob in as well. And I feel like that was destined to fail. Those two can't – I don't think those two need to be in the same building together. (laughs) No. Um, I think that that would be really intriguing. I think he would actually do a really good job because he's still paying attention. He was an awesome, awesome, awesome defensive coordinator. When Baker Mayfield was talking smack about Rex Ryan, I was like, man – you got to learn your history, kid. Remember when, when Baker Mayfield, who is, I believe, is he currently jobless? Um,
2: he is a free agent, yes. Remember
3: when he said, last I checked, Rex Ryan doesn't have a job in the NFL? Like, yep. dude, if this guy decided to be a, a defensive coordinator that morning, he could have that job yeah. as a defensive coordinator. Um, I, his M.O. was never to be, like, the guy that was there until the uh, at 2 a.m. in the morning. I think he's a, a creative genius in a lot of ways and a guy that had a really good rapport with his players. He's kept obviously in touch with the game because he's talking about it on television. I think uh I think he'd actually be a good fit with that squad because mm. that's a um, I mean his players just loved him. And I don't think he lo- I don't think he's lost that knack for it.
2: Dude, the one guy that I've talked to the most that played for Rex that loved Rex was Anthony Weaver.
3: Yeah. Weaver yep.
2: lo- like loved yep. Rex Ryan. He said yep. he sa- he was his position coach in Baltimore. He wasn't the DC yet there. He was he was the D line coach when Weaver was there. He said Rex made it so much fun, like like yeah. just the way the the different tactics he used to get you to to absorb information and make you think it was so yeah. awesome. He loved it. Plus, him.
3: this is a younger, more tolerant generation that doesn't really care about your foot fetish. This is just uh, they just they know that look, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. We've got the internet. We know yep. that people are into different things, and Absolutely. I and I do honestly. I think that Aaron Rodgers can have his darkness retreat. I think four days at hedonism with Rex would cure Russell Wilson of whatever he's repressing or holding back. I think uh, I think he would – Russell could let his freak flag f- fly for the first time in his life, and he would come back a new guy. Uh, just new, free, and loose Russ. His freak flag.
2: Russell Wilson yeah. is going through training camp barefoot the whole time. <laughs> that would be great. But
3: not in a way that's cringeworthy. <laughs> it's, <Like> it's, <laughs> the replies <laughs> –
2: i cringe early yeah uh the replies of oh,
3: the f- barefoot because of rex ryan the four days with rex Ryan. that's a little weird yeah 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 uh, the, the, okay, the replies gotcha.
2: the replies to these are great uh the high. there's the replies to Rappaport's tweet uh, oh, okay. about, rex, about ryan. rex ryan yeah about yeah. rex ryan hide your feet
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: that's cr- someone said oh he, he gets the job that's quite a feat
3: Joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a rich lord joke right there. Who was it? Was it Wes Welker that did the? Yeah, Wes Welker yeah. was the one that got up and did.
2: <laughs> Belichick got pissed about that.
3: Oh, he got. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't start the game. Right. Wes Welker got up in the press conference before they played the Jets, and I think he was reading it from a piece of paper about something about defeat and about a whole bunch of puns, a bunch of dad jokes in a row. But it was pretty funny. Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah, it was unexpected, which is what made it really funny. Um, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a, uh, on a Thursday. Nick Casario was on Texans All Access uh, last night. Combine is coming up. What are the main things that Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans are trying to learn from the Combine? And what is the, of all the things at the Combine, what's the thing that Nick Casario values the most? We'll have that for you next.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents
0: Payne and Pendergast. Hi,
2: Payne and Pendergast with you. Um, Nick Casario was on Texans All Access uh, last night and was asked about the Combine. I like Nick's view on the Combine because I think he's got the appropriate amount of of uh, weight applied to each of the different things. He doesn't seem to be somebody who gets married to 40 times and bench presses and whatnot. He does think the interviews are very, very important.
4: I would say the primary focus, I would say, for us are the interviews. Not that the workouts don't matter on the field, but – all right, you just have to be careful about how much stock you actually put into that. But it's a real good opportunity kind of in a formal setting. You have 15 minutes. not that you're going to get anything accomplished in 15 minutes, but you have an opportunity to sort of get a feel for a player maybe you hadn't met with. And then the informal interview process, you can do a little bit more of the heavy lifting. So I would say what we're noticing, what I'm noticing, is less and more and more teams – are taking less and less people and less and less coaching staff to the combine because they're better served to kind of focus on football. But there's mechanisms and technology available if you wanted to Zoom a coach in or Zoom somebody in during an interview. You have the capacity and ability to do that. So I think it's being efficient with your time, being productive with your time, and what's the best way to kind of balance all that off.
2: The first thing I would say that that, that I thought of when I heard him saying that, Seth, was if the Texans had the number one pick in the draft last year, which was not a quarterback year, I hear that, and I'm like, okay, Nick is not a guy who's going to get Trayvon walker You know, like Trayvon Walker yeah. elevated to where he was in that draft last year after the Combine, after people said, wow. I mean, he played on a really good defense in at Georgia with a lot of guys on it. He was not the guy that popped yeah. the most on that defense, but he had incredible workouts at the Combine
3: last what, year. What, I guess what was that? what about that particular soundbar right there would make you think that? that
2: that he doesn't get caught up in the in the uh, the workouts at the combine like that the- I uh-
3: Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think it's that he doesn't care about the workouts. It's that he doesn't think you have to be there in person to to know or see. Oh, okay. what the Results are okay. Um, like, like no, he definitely doesn't overinflate it. I don't think at all. Like they want to. I think he's in that school of people that want to see that first and foremost, you're a football player, and then we'll use the physical tools. But they don't want to necessarily waste waste a lot of time on guys who who have the physical skills but who aren't actual football players. So I the, the way I've always understood it when Nick has talked about it is that they want to be sure that guys are spending their time in the most efficient way possible and sometimes traveling to Indianapolis to take your hand time of a guy's running the 40 where you got it on video and everything you need to see is already there. Whereas with the interviews, you might have very specific questions that you want to ask. Um, and a lot of times, too, that's where... I think with the interviews and, and I would imagine Nick probably has broken this down because he he studies a lot of this, but like look with interviews they 're notoriously fallible in terms of judging exactly how good somebody 's going to be at their job so I think' if you 're if you're using the interviews to see if a guy 's got the killer instinct or if he's got're basically if you 're judging his social skills then they 're useless. I think in football. What a lot of the GMs and coaches want to know is specifically like, okay, this, let's look at these plays that didn't go well. What was happening here? Let's look at this play. Why did you make this read? All of that. And then you can get on a very nuts and bolts level, get some answers to questions you might have. And then also the big red flag is like, okay, this guy's had three months to think about this play I'm about to show. A, does he remember it? B, does he have a good? Is he pointing fingers about it? You know, and sometimes it won't be his fault, but there's a way a guy might say it where you can tell, like, okay, wow, even under these circumstances, this guy is blaming somebody else. Like, this is uh, we gotta be, we gotta think about this. Versus the guy that at least knows enough to, at the very least, knows enough to fake responsibility. But some guys can't even fake it, and then you know you got something you might have to address.
2: Do you feel like? When you're laying that out, I mean, obviously you can show a play to a player at any position. You know, a cornerback. Hey, what happened here? Were you handing the guy off to the safety? Was that the safety's fault? That kind of thing. When I hear you laying that out, I'm like, okay, I think a quarterback immediately because they make them get up on the whiteboard and do their thing. Are the interviews at the Combine, in your mind, way more important for the quarterbacks than they are for any other player?
3: Yeah, probably. I think that... um...
2: I mean, you're just the, you're the most front-facing guy in the organization on the yeah, roster.
3: Any, I guess any because I think for quarterbacks, that's where I guess. That is a front-facing position, and if a guy doesn't have really, if a guy doesn't have some kind of communication skills in a formal environment like an interview like that, yeah, then yeah, that might be something to think about more so than a nose tackle or a, a left guard or something like that. There's plenty of antisocial, awesome football players yes. in other positions. At quarterback, it's harder to be antisocial.
2: I, I feel like Nick needs me in those interviews just to rate their juice. I need to know. Yeah. You know what, Nick? I know you put them up on the whiteboard, and you can get into the content of their answers. And was it a smart answer? Did he get it right? All those things. Sean, what did you think of their juice factor? Nine and yeah. a half. Did you see his Dr. <laughs> Pepper commercial? Also, he's incredible. Yeah,
3: but that you know, but it, that can be misleading too because it is still it's one little slice of an interview. And I, one thing I see with it, all the time at combines. Um, When scouts talk about the combine, is they like to watch these uh, watch the quarterbacks and see what kind of natural leaders they are. And oh yeah, you just see guys gravitate around him, and you're like, man, yeah. Sometimes because that's just that guy's like really really funny, you know. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the best leader or uh, the the right kind of guy. It it certainly shows that he's not a dud when it comes to personality department. Um, But I think like with any of those things, the, the thing that encourages me about Nick is that. There's almost no attribute that he'll talk about where he doesn't say, hey, this is one of many things. Sure. You know, he's always keeping it in context. <laughs> yeah, There's never course. like one overriding, you know, like, wow. I saw him in the combine drills, and man, guys were just around this guy. Bryce Young was just holding court. He must be an awesome leader. Yeah. I'm like, All right. Well, you're talking about a bunch of other quarterbacks in a very artificial environment that has nothing to do with winning or losing. This isn't. This isn't a 5 a.m. workout in the offseason. Like, what kind of a leader is he? Then you don't know. You got to talk to other people about that stuff.
2: There was a uh, there was a question in the interview last night towards the end of the interview with. And uh, in I would go back and listen to it if I were you. I'm sure the Texans have it on their website and their YouTube channel. Nick Casario sitting down with John Harris and Mark Vandermeer, some really good stuff in there about how he's working with D'Amico so far and things like that. It's definitely worth your worth your time. The very last question that John Harris asked was asked in sort of a tone like he asked about people I'll let you hear the question. He asked about people walking up to Nick and asking about the salary cap space that they have going into this offseason, which is they for you know, Nick finally does have some room to work with now with the salary cap. Um so take a listen to the question and then listen to the answer. Then I have a personal anecdote that ties into this. I would imagine,
0: this is just me reading into this, that as a GM, when you hear people say, Well, they have cap space, that's gotta be one of the worst things to hear because everybody expects, well, you have cap space, you gotta go spend, and yet you have so many different things that I don't think people are taking into account. You got the rookie class, you've got some other uh renegoti- renegotiations. So, yes, you do have cap space, but Nick, that gets eaten up pretty pretty quickly
4: with one or two transactions either way. It's a great point, John. And what we try to do is really look at it in two-year windows or two-year blocks. So wherever we are currently here in March of 2023, I mean, February, March of 2023, we go through the three-agent process. We'll be at a certain point. However many players we draft, okay, there's another called 18 to 20 million that you're probably going to eat up. And then you have operating expenses during the course of the year that you're going to practice squad, injured reserve. So you want to make sure that you know, you have a little bit of a, a, a room yeah. to operate more than anything. And then start to think about, all right, where are we going to be 2024? So you're kind of looking at a two-year windows. Um, but to your point, like one transaction could eat up a substantial amount. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means if you do that – there's going to be some level of trickle-down, and you just have to be able to plan and adjust accordingly.
2: Okay, the way, the way John Harris kind of asked that question and sort of the tone that he had, everybody knows I love Johnny, but he asked that question as if the person walking up and asking Nick about the cap space is kind of a bit of a dullard, right? Like it's a, And all I could think about was before D'Amico's press conference a couple of weeks ago, there was a little pre-reception that people have seen the footage of where D'Amico kind of met with some of the media members and shook hands and said hi to people. And Nick was there. And I walked over, Nick was kind of standing off to the side, and I walked over to say hi to him. And first thing we talked about was the Royal Rumble. Of course, we got that out of the way. But then the very next thing I said to him was, Hey man, it's gotta feel good to have all this cap space this year. <laughs>
3: it's
2: literally the first thing I brought up with him. And he well. was, he was kind of like he He went from like <laughs> happy-go-lucky talking about the Royal Rumble, Nick, straight into interview mode. He's like, well, you know, the draft class eats some of that up, and there's not as much as you'd think. And I'm like,
3: ooh. Uh, Sean, you know, it sounds like he gave you that look that somebody might give their cousin a look when uh, their cousin finds out that you – let's say your cousin finds out you've had a financial windfall, and all of a sudden, like, cousin Eddie comes up I was like, so – so, things must be pretty good, huh? Yeah, you know, I would tell you, I've got some things brewing up in the old noggin here about ways we could spend that money, yeah. <laughs> totally. The analogy I was
2: thinking of as I was driving in listening to this this morning, as I was re-listening to the interview this morning on the way in, it's like when you're a kid and you hand your parents a Christmas list, you show your Christmas list you're sending to Santa, and it's completely yeah. unreasonable for what your parents' means are to... <laughs> yeah. And your parents are like, look... You know if you don't get all these things it doesn't mean Santa doesn't love you. It doesn't mean yeah. that uh, you know like he, like let's pump the brakes here. Nick was basically my parents when I gave them an exorbitant I, I'm like mommy daddy I would like Javon Hargrave. I would like Jesse Bates. I'd like a center for our rookie quarterback. Okay, but if Santa doesn't bring all those things. Yeah. So you can imagine play the question one more time. Ben as I'm as I'm listening to this question, Johnny's like let's talk salary cap. I would imagine
0: this is just me reading it to this that as a GM, when you hear people say, "Well, they have cap space," that's got to be oh, one I'm of like, the worst oh things God. to hear that's because everybody, everybody expects, you. "Well, you have cap yeah. space; totally you got to go spend."
2: <laughs> yep. And yeah. yet, you yeah. have
0: so many different things that I don't think people are taking into account. You got I definitely the wasn't class. taking it into account. You've got some yeah. other uh, nope. renegoti- renegotiation. Right. I wasn't so, taking that uh,
2: either. John. Do have Steven cap Nelson. space, but Nick? That gets eaten up pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> with yeah. and that's what he ended up telling me.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Listening to Dollar. that, I'm like, that's exactly what I was doing yeah. to Nick at that reception. Yeah.
3: You're too focused on the negative, Sean, uh, because what else did Nick say in that exchange? He said, well, we look at it in a two-year window. I'm looking at the two-year window. 2024. Give it to me. have the second most cap space Hell right yeah, now, $187 Hell yeah, we do. Sign every All Pro from this year's All Pro roster. Get them on in. <laughs> the seems pretty team. simple to me, does it not? We're going to yeah. be the
2: first team to only have twenty-two guys on our whole roster. So you're just going to buy Pro Bowlers. Uh,
3: <laughs> I'll tell you honestly, the the team, the team that's sitting pretty right this moment. If you wanted to, like, um, we'll we'll be the person that John Harris hates and just talk about like the uh, like salary cap, like it's the savior of everything. But having said that, of the top Five teams with salary cap space right now. One of these does not look like the others. I'll read them. There's the Bears. There's the Falcons. There's the Raiders. There's the Texans, and then there's the Giants. Like the Giants. The Giants this year was supposed to be a team that was like, all right. we are whatever the the chiefs claim people were saying about them. Yes. This is a rebuild. We've stripped it down to the nuts and we're just going to try to see and then all of a sudden boom, they make the playoffs.
2: The the one thing I'll say that'll make you feel better about that, yeah. you know, cuz I yeah, I hear that I'm like, "Oh crap, the Giants are going to be a problem. They've got to pay Daniel Jones if they want to keep him and they've got to pay Saquon Barkley if they want to keep him." Ew. Those are two big ticket items that the Giants need to focus in on. So that
3: has <sighs> that draft and Saquon Barkley when they drafted Saquon. Second Barkley. overall. At Second overall. Ugh. All right, Peyton. <laughs> well, this is a good segue
2: because that happened yeah. in New York. Uh, you know, in New York is, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere because you get criticized for the slightest of things. Could Aaron Rodgers survive in New York? A Giants legend says, hell no, he can't. You'll hear it next.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve
3: an ice-cold reward. is the mark of a fighter.
0: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right,
2: so our sister station up in New York, WFAN, uh, Tiki, Barber, and Brandon Tierney do the midday show up there, Uh, or maybe afternoons. I forget what day part they're in. Um, But Tiki and Tierney is the show, and they were talking about Aaron Rodgers um, yesterday. And one of the things that one of the teams that is believed to be in the hunt to get Aaron Rodgers, if indeed he chooses to get traded from the Packers or the Packers choose to trade him uh, is the New York jets. That feels like if he's not a Packer and we start to list the teams that he could wind up on the jets feel like they're at or near the top of the list. Tiki Barber thinks though, that if Aaron Rodgers is getting jerky about the media talking about dark retreats while he's a green Bay Packer, Oh, wait till you get to New York.
6: My friend, if he is that sensitive, that, He gets upset that people, reporters, opinion makers, uh, influencers, whoever, want to talk about him. He is going to struggle in New York, and I don't know if it's the right fit for him. I don't know if I want him in New York, if this is going to be his reaction to things that don't matter. Right, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want people talking about him, talking about his off season, talking about his personal life, talking about all these things mm-hmm. that are going on with Aaron Rodgers, he needs to stop talking.
3: Yeah, well, and and I think um, and sorry, I had to cut that off abruptly because there was like a transition with a yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's a. I thought that the last thing he said was was really good because there is that part of Aaron Rodgers right now where. He's doing that, that thing that sometimes athletes do where I'm gonna say a bunch of stuff. Don't you dare comment on the stuff that I say. Like, okay, hey, it's a free country. I can say what I want. Like, yeah, and then that means other people can say what they want, too. So, yeah, for him, to, he gets pretty uppity and perturbed about things that are, A, sometimes factually correct, but he doesn't like that they're being reported. Like, when his actual teammates gave named quotes in a story about how they use hand signals for play calling – he acted like this was a bunch of fake news, yellow journalism or something. It was crazy. Um, And then here, Ian Rappaport, who, by the way, goes on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. Ian Rappaport screwed up the date of Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat, which is only a thing because because, because Aaron Rodgers, you know, came out and said he was going on a darkness retreat. Nobody knows anything about a darkness retreat. It spurred a whole lot of conversation. Like, that's relatively tame. Like, Ian Rappaport getting the date wrong on a darkness retreat is a whole lot different than, like, some of the things the New York media is going to get wrong about you. Because they are – it's just a different deal in New York. I mean, it's, a, it's the intensity of everything, not just, like, the reporters in press conferences themselves or anything. It's just very, very, very intense when it comes to sports. Rogers has been, like, playing on an island of sorts, you know, like a little oh, yeah. oasis of – <laughs> rural Wisconsin, where he plays his football. And, um, it's just, it's just a whole different environment. I think, I, I think there it might be, and it's not even like a, a bad character thing or anything like that. It's just different. And I don't know if Rogers is cut out for it, for being a New York athlete. I
2: think it's a really good take by Tiki Barber. I think that, look, some of it's going to come down to just how good are the jets with Aaron Rodgers. If it's a good football team, then the, he probably, receives less negative scrutiny, I would imagine, if they yeah. if they're winning football games. What'd they go? Seven and ten last year? With with honestly one of the worst quarterback situations of any team in the league. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was was awful. He's immature. He didn't take responsibility. When it wasn't Zach Wilson, it was Mike White in there who actually did some good things, but he's Mike White. Joe Flacco played a few games for them. The defense was really, really good in New York. They had the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. And, oh, by the way, the guy who got hurt at running back probably would have won offensive rookie of the year if he hadn't gotten hurt. They've done a really good job of finding young players on this roster. How good – does Aaron Rodgers – does he move them past the Buffalo Bills in that division?
3: Yeah, that's the question. Because I I think with Rodgers, is it as simple as, look – He's going to go to the place that he thinks has the best chance of winning. I think I think the root of a lot of it at Green Bay right now is simply that he doesn't trust Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, the team president and the general manager, to actually put together a winning team. You know, like they're – they just – they keep squandering draft pick after draft pick on defense without ever actually fixing the defense. They've, they've done – they could claim that they've done a good job of finding receivers for Aaron Rodgers, but the question is always, okay, but how much has Jer- you know Aaron Rodgers turned Jordy Nelson into what he was, or any of the guys that have gone in the second through fifth rounds? Um, you know, remember they hadn't drafted an offensive skill player until Jordan Love. The entire time Aaron Rodgers had been there until Jordan Love. That was that was the first time they drafted an, an offensive skill player. Aaron, the good news is we finally drafted a skill
2: player in the first round. The bad news is he's your replacement.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I and I just I think that part of it with Rodgers is he's trying to wrestle with this newfound vision he has of himself, where he wants to be, you know, spiritually elevated, love all human beings. Aaron Rodgers. But, like, you can only – look, you can only change yourself so much. You can you can improve in some ways. There's a part of them that just flat out I think probably wants Gutekunst and Murphy out, but he can't come right out and say that and be peace, love Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I don't um, – I so I don't – and I don't think that happens because I think the Green Bay is kind of just structured that way where they're never going to let the players dictate terms in um, in quite the same way.
2: Um, the Jets – the ESPN's got a, a, a an article – earlier this week. It's a long-form article, but it's 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 pretty fun if you're looking for an article that sort of lays the groundwork for the upcoming offseason. And it's called it's got rebuilding, tiers of rebuilding, that or tiers of building that teams are in. Like, here are the teams that are set, and they're moving, you know, the Chiefs, the teams that played in the Super Bowl. Like, they're good for the next, however. The Texans are in one of the tiers where they're in a total rebuild. The Jets are in a tier, there's eight different tiers. The Jets are in a tier called QB Purgatory, and... This is what they say as far as what's next for the Jets. The path seems clear-cut. They must acquire a veteran QB to put an emerging roster over the top. The conversation starts with Aaron Rodgers, followed by Derek Carr, and then the rest of the field. It goes on to talk about a few of the players. The bottom line is, though, they're not in a great cap situation right now. Like, they're yeah. they're right around the salary. They're minus $264,000. So, they – I mean – <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is going to make fifty eight million dollars this year cash.
3: <laughs> in my in that so the, in the might have to the extend Jets, him. <laughs> and then do the Jets have to trade away a, a bunch of potential assets? Yeah. like the Browns had to for for Deshaun Watson. You know, yep. I, like like we said, the Browns kind of traded. For the right to be the 2020 Houston Texans. That's right. Like, oh, okay, uh, we won't have much cap space or draft picks in the future, but at least we'll have Deshaun Watson. Does, we better You better make the most of it. You know, Pat Mahomes just became the first quarterback to win a championship while accounting for over a certain percentage. Greater of
2: the than 13% of Is that the salary 13%? cap, percent, yes.
3: Yeah, because forever people would say, yeah, you can't play the quarterback because – because then what are you going to do? Like, nobody's ever won it. And I, there really was no good answer to it. Because do you, do? you can't win without a really good quarterback. But you can't win if you're paying your quarterback a certain amount. Yeah. I think what happened was you got to a point where, like, enough – it's going to keep happening because almost everybody's going to start paying their quarterback that much. Um, But the Chiefs also did that really hard thing, which was they said goodbye to one of their best offensive players because they couldn't pay both Tyreek Hill and their quarterback. Yep. And and they managed to keep the squad together. Yeah, are the are you going to trust that the Jets, the New York Jets? And yes, I understand the Texans haven't uh, haven't accomplished all that much, uh, but the New York Jets who haven't accomplished as much as the Texans this century. Well, okay, in the last 10 years. Um, they, like, are the Jets going to be the team that becomes the second team to win a Super Bowl <laughs> with a quarterback accounting for more than 12% of their salary? That cracks
2: the matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah The yeah, Jets yeah, of yeah. all teams, yeah.
3: Although, but that is the other part of it. So what people are now thinking is like, okay, well, hopefully you can get a rookie quarterback and then just go spend. A, a guy on his rookie deal, like Jalen Hurts or Tua tonga And then go spend big on an A.J. Brown or a Tyreek Hill. Um, I think the other version of that could be okay, well, some other team already paid this quarterback's guaranteed money, so we can bring him in here and he's not going to cost us as much because the the Packers already took the big hit on the guaranteed money and they basically bought a bunch of draft picks with it. Yep.
2: Yep. It's, It's, man, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see where Roger, like the dynamic with. Der- Rodgers is a better player than Derek Carr, I think. I, I mean, you 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 think they're a little closer than I do. Um, well,
3: wh- just because of age, y- y- I, I just y- like. Uh, I, uh, Simply just because it's a forty-year-old who just had one of his worst seasons. Sure, ever. like it's like as a rule, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh yeah, he'll rebound it. yeah.
2: Right, right, and I and and I'm a little more loose with that. And the, the reason I say it is because yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see because your your point is a good one. You have got to give up something for the right to pay Aaron Rodgers. Whereas Derek Carr, you can just go pick him off the shelf and yeah. pay him. You know, there's no draft capital involved. And the, by the way, the Jets only have six draft picks in this in this upcoming draft, so it's you're you're up against the cap. And you 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 only you only have six picks in the draft coming up, and you're going to have to give up probably, I would imagine, at least one or two of those to get Aaron Rodgers into the building.
3: Rodgers is tough because there's so many things that you could tie to his decline. For one, okay, you lost Devontae Adams. That's obviously a big deal. Um, but he's dealt with various things like that before. But the fact that he went through this kind of cataclysmic, life-altering <laughs> revelation over the last couple years – at the age of 39, and he'll be 40 this coming season, it makes me extra nervous. Yeah. It's not like he's just staying the course and that was a weird year. And like Tom Brady kind of within his last year at New England, it was like, okay, he is, he has reassessed everything and changed all of his priorities. But don't worry, it'll all be cool. I, be uh, I
2: I think Tiki Barber's take is spot on. I think Aaron Rodgers, if he goes there, is going to annoy the hell out of the, <laughs> the New York media. All right. Um, some crumbs left over from the Super Bowl. They had their Super Bowl parade yesterday, so we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. What you may have missed from the Super Bowl, there's an article in the New York Times listing the things we might have missed. Did we really miss some of these things that we saw? Some of them we did. Some of them I think were pretty obvious. We'll get into, get into that next.
6: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?